uh, so glad to have each and every one of you with us today. And I want to give a special greeting to those that are not with us. It seems like I know we have a lot that are gone for some reason or another this morning at home. Some are not feeling the best. And uh, uh, anyway, special greeting to all of you who are joining us online. We are glad to have you with us very, very much. So, and for those who aren't feeling well, may God heal you, restore you, and bring you back among us quickly. All right, well, this is an interesting passage to say the least, which everything is that we read in Scripture seems to be remarkable. Uh, Paul is especially worked up here in 1 Timothy 4. Uh, he is on the warpath. Uh, he said the Holy Spirit says that a dangerous teaching is coming that will cause people to fall away from the faith. Paul called it the teaching of demons. The men who teach it are liars. He said this teaching is an attack on God and on God's goodness and on God's creation. So what is this teaching that Paul is so worked up about? Well, it's the doctrine or the teaching that says that it is wrong for believers to enjoy good things or experience pleasures that God has created for us. It's, as Paul says, men who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods. Uh, Paul argued strongly that we are not to forbid these things. God created them for believers, and we are to enjoy them and to give thanks to God for them. And some of you are familiar with the Westminster Confession that says the, the chief end of man is to enjoy God, to know God and to enjoy him forever. So we are to enjoy God and we are to enjoy his gifts, his good gifts, that, and that's really the theme of this passage from Paul. As much as we rightly emphasize self-sacrifice and willingness to suffer and we do warn against worldliness, we have to be careful that we do not fall into the error of repudiating the very things that God has given us out of his goodness and love and that he does want us to enjoy. Over in 1 Timothy 6.17, Paul tells us not to set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That's the kind of God we have. He is a God who richly or bountifully supplies us with all things to enjoy. That might be news to some of you, but God actually does want you to have joy and wants to enjoy the things that he has for you. You cannot get closer to God by denying the gifts of God. You cannot get rid of your sin by depriving yourself of the good and pleasurable things that God has for you in this life. You can't overcome idolatry or worldliness by making a list of things that you must forbid. Elizabeth Elliot, in her book, The Liberty of Obedience, which I read years ago and has incredible insight into this concept of uh, separation from the world, she said, we are not asked to deny ourselves as many things as possible in order to set our hearts on the eternal. In Colossians 2.23, Paul said, 
such restrictions indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-prescribed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. This lie has been hanging around the church for centuries, and despite clear teaching by Paul and the other apostles against asceticism, Restrictions against marriage and certain foods on certain days quickly infiltrated the church. It became um, prominent in the uh, Roman Catholic Church, especially dominant during the Middle Ages, but this kind of thinking has crept into many uh, branches of the church. It, it's, it's a thinking that can seep into any church and into any believer, and it happens all the time. It is amazing how often people get pulled into linking up spirituality with diet and other external rules and regulations. For some reason, we are just so prone to fall for false ideas of spirituality and false means to make us more acceptable to God. The problem of what I'm going to call the, the doctrine of denial is that it is not the gospel. I mean, that's the heart of the, pro of the problem of this kind of teaching. It, it is not the faith delivered to the saints. It is not the gospel. God's answer to our sin and to our broken lives is Jesus, period. Christ's death fully atones for our sins. Christ's death brings us all the way to God. We don't have to deny something or do something or follow some external regulation to kind of help us make it the rest of the way to God. Christ brings us all the way to God. Christ's presence in our hearts by the Holy Spirit overcomes our sinful nature, sanctifies us, and makes us holy. He's totally sufficient to do that job in your life. You don't need to add this doctrine of demons or this doctrine of denial in order to live near to God, to enjoy God, to be fully filled with his spirit and living for him. So we trust in Christ alone for our peace and acceptance with God. And we trust in the work of his spirit in us to make us holy. We, we don't trust in what we eat or don't eat, whether we're married or not, whether we're rich or poor, these external things do not make us more or less spiritual. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8, 8, food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and we are no better if we do. And you can't say it much plainer than that, can you? Hebrews 13, 9, it says, your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which do not help those who follow them. So I want to go back now, with those kind of introductory comments, go back and just kind of work ourselves through this passage phrase by phrase because I, I think there's a, a lot of really helpful, uh, important things that we really need to hear. Uh, Paul begins by saying, the Holy Spirit expressly says, the Holy Spirit is saying something. 
the Spirit likely revealed this to Paul or to uh, prophets in the New Testament church through a prophetic utterance or a word of prophecy. Uh, you know, Paul and Barnabas were sent out as missionaries because the Holy Spirit said something in the church to the church. And while much wisdom and careful examination is always required in these things, the Holy Spirit does say things to the church. And we need to give heed to what he is saying. And of course, he will never speak anything contrary to the Scripture or in any way add to the Scripture, which he himself inspired. But Paul said the Holy Spirit expressly said this or is saying this. The Holy Spirit says this. He made this message clear or uh, explicit. There was no doubt about, about what the Spirit was saying. The Spirit explicitly says that some will depart from the faith or fall away or turn away. They will turn away from the sound teaching that Christ revealed through his apostles. And this has happened, and it continues to happen in our day too. And so we must always be careful to compare even our own thoughts and everything else that we hear with the faith that was revealed to the apostles and found in Scripture so that we do not depart from it, so that we do not fall away from that faith. And we should not be surprised or disillusioned when other people do fall away. The Spirit says this will happen. I know one of the things that really discourages God's people at times is somebody that they think is walking with God, somebody they really badly want to walk with God and continue on in their walk with God, they veer off and turn aside from the faith. And it can be just very disheartening. And not that it shouldn't be disheartening on some level, but also, in a sense, we should be prepared for that. The Holy Spirit said that is going to happen. So when we see it happen, we, in one sense, we just say, you know, the Holy Spirit said that would happen. They will, not, they will fall away by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. All right, get, get ready for your mind to be expanded this morning. Ideas and thoughts often come from spirits or from spiritual sources. We are not told in the, in the Bible exactly how this happened, but we, happens, but we are told that it does happen. Demons do plant ideas or teachings in the minds of men. Uh, the Apostle John knew this. He said, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God. He, he meant by this, test the spirit behind what this person is saying. Because not every spirit is from God, and so not everything that people are saying is from God. It might be from a deceitful spirit. It might be a teaching or a doctrine of demons. And just look at, 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 at how new and strange, very strange ideas have swept through our culture in recent years. Thoughts, thoughts and ideas that would have been considered insane a few years ago are forced upon us now and we're not allowed to even disagree. I believe without a doubt 
that it is demons who stir up these ideas in our culture. And they bring them right into the church also. It's not just out there. Demons are at work to plant false ideas within the church too. And Paul called them deceiving spirits or deceitful spirits. They, they're clever. They are able to fool many people. And so it is always dangerous to be unguarded or gullible about spiritual ideas, either that come from your own mind or that you hear from the culture, Christian culture. We are to be on guard. Denying food or pleasures or marriage or other good things, for some reason it sounds so extra spiritual. I mean, you are going without. You're denying a pleasure. You're denying yourself something. And it just sounds like, well, that will make me extra spiritual or somebody else is doing that. That will somehow make them nearer to God. And yet, Paul says it, that, is, that thinking is really a departure from the faith. And often the kind of people who become victim, victimized of the, victims of this, this kind of, of thinking or these kind of self-imposed restrictions often are those who are most serious, most sincere, most zealous for God. Uh, thoughts come into the minds of these believers say something like this if you are if you really want to satisfy God or reach a higher spirituality deprive yourself of more things deprive yourself of pleasures or certain foods or go out and live in some rural remote area and get away from all material things and you will just kind of increase your level of spirituality by getting away from all these things. Or people will sometimes hear this thought that you are only spiritual when you are suffering or sacrificing or going without. You are only spiritual when you're not having any fun or not enjoying anything. And so you, people get into the, a trap of thinking that to be really godly or to be really holy is really to kind of be unhappy and look unhappy. And nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says, let, let the righteous be glad. That's what God has for us. Of course, we are to be prepared to suffer. But we take up suffering as it comes to us in the path of obedience to God. We accept suffering when God gives us a cup of suffering to drink. But we don't feel that we have to be suffering in order to be near God. We don't feel that we have to be going through something really hard or bad or denying ourselves something in order to please God. You know, sometimes we are more comfortable uh, when we, and I probably, should, I probably should own this myself, but I'm going to generalize it just so, so I don't put it all on myself, but sometimes we are more comfortable when other people think we are suffering or working hard 
or we actually feel more spiritual that way. But you know what? It's okay if you are taking a nap or a break or if somebody finds you eating an ice cream cone or sitting down or enjoying a good book. That's okay because your spirituality comes from Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your spirituality, your acceptance with God, your rightness with the Father, your nearness to the Father comes in and through the work, the person and work of Jesus Christ. We can live for the glory of God and still enjoy the good gifts of God. In fact, Paul argues that we are in dangerous ground to think differently. We're on dangerous ground to deny, to, to deny these things. And part of being near to God is constantly seeing the good around us, giving thanks for those things, and enjoying those things in the presence of God. You know, when one of my favorite verses uh, regarding eating a meal is from First uh, Chronicles 29:22. When Solomon was appointed king, it says, "They ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day." That's how, that's what we're supposed to do with good things and pleasures. We we enjoy things. We enjoy the goodness of God. We we enjoy it in the presence of the Lord. And we enjoy things with, we eat and drink with great joy. We do a lot of other things with great joy, uh, but we do it in the presence of the Lord. So what could be so bad, though, about forbidding food and marriage and many other enjoyable things in the world? Well, first, Paul says, because it denigrates God and what he has created. This teaching attributes something inherently evil to what God says is good. And Paul said specifically, for everything created by God is good. God created marriage and sex. He created food and drink. He created things for us to see and taste and do that we would enjoy and say, man, that is good. He created things for to, for us to have that response. Everything that God created is good. We, part, we partake of it. Uh, we share in it, as uh, New American Standard puts it, we share in it with gratitude, and we say, man, that's good. Glory to God. God created sunsets and sunrises, the moon and stars, uh, beautiful mornings, blue sky, uh, mountains and fields, flowers and trees, uh, music and songs, uh, other people, friends, little children, uh, animals, birds, dogs, uh, and everything that God made is good. The second reason this doctrine of denial is so wrong is because it opposes God's purpose in creating the world and all that is in it. Paul said that food and marriage and, are, are, and, and other things like that he says that God created those to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. All right? In other words, God created the world and good things in it for his people. 
for those who believe. The good things of this world are created for those who believe and know the truth. So God meant for us to receive and accept these gifts, uh, to, to partake of them or to share in them. God wants that. It's his will, and it, it is actually uh, spiritually proud to oppose that will of God and instead of humbly receiving, sharing in, rejoicing in, and giving thanks to him for these things. Let me share with you uh, just an example. This is not a true story at all. It just it, it, it went out of my imagination. I heard something like it a long, long time ago, but here's the example. Let's say that you and your wife worked very hard to save your money to buy a doll for your little girl for Christmas. And you looked forward to giving that doll to her and just seeing the joy and excitement in her eyes when she opened her package. And let's say that there is a mean-spirited aunt staying with you who does not want your little girl to have that doll. And so on Christmas morning, just as your little girl opens her package and she is delighted with her new doll, this aunt rips that doll out of your little girl's arms and says, you shouldn't have that. That's not good for you. It'll spoil you. And as mom and dad, how are you going to feel about that? Well, you would be, yeah, throw her out. You'd be angry because it was your delight to give that doll to your daughter. And that's very much what Paul is saying here in this chapter these men are wicked. They're liars who try to forbid these legitimate good pleasures from the saints because I created them for believers. I created them for my people to share in and to enjoy and to give thanks for. If we understand that everything God created is for believers you know instead of harming us it actually deepens our gratitude for God our love for God our appreciation of God and his goodness and our worship of God so how are we to respond to good food and uh, pleasures and all these other things that God has created well Paul says we are to receive them uh, with thankfulness or with gratitude. We're to share in them with gratitude. Paul said these things that God created are to be received with thanksgiving. We are, we're not to just look at the good things that we, that we taste or pleasures, things that we do that we enjoy. We are, we are to see through those to the God who gave them to us. We are to uh, look through those things to God and give thanks to God, see them as his gifts. And if we do that, in every day is just full of things that turn our attention, our focus to God, and deepen our love for him. Richard Baxter, a well-known uh, Puritan, a re really godly uh, pastor of that era, he said, we need to guard our lives against the love of riches and worldly cares. All love for earthly goods, however, is not a sin. Their, their sweetness is a drop of his love. 
and they have his goodness imprinted on them. They kindle our love to him as love tokens from our dearest friend, loving them as a duty, not a sin. I love that description that we're to see the good things that we enjoy as love tokens, as from our dearest friend, from our God who loves us. Of course, we are not to make any good thing or pleasure an idol. Uh, we are never to put anything above God or, or the, the kingdom, the work of his kingdom. But in their proper place, we are to enjoy the blessings of God. We are not to be enslaved to any good thing or any pleasure. Uh, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So there is a place for self-control, of course. Uh, there's a place for health considerations. But we're to share in all the good things of God without being a slave to any of them. Then Paul said, we make the gifts and pleasures of this life holy or we sanctify them by the word um, and prayer. And I think the prayer here certainly includes thankfulness, the prayer of thanks, thanksgiving because that's what he's mentioned two or three times in this passage. So we, we're, we're, to, we're to mingle everything we do with the word and with prayer. Amen. And we... We make life and all the good things that we enjoy in life, we, we make those experiences holy by doing that. And when you pray over your food with thank, thankfulness to God, you make eating a holy experience. We make marriage a holy experience through prayer and the word. Uh, when you give thanks to God for the beauty of a flower or a sunset or a good meal, we're, we're, just, we're making anything like that a holy experience. It's set apart for God. It's a, it's a, godly, it's a godly experience. Of course, there are evil and immorality in our world. There's things that we do not partake of. hope nobody tries to twist this to say that. Uh, men have corrupted a lot of what God has created to be good. There, there are there is evil in this world to not partake of. There are, are evil books and songs, uh, movies that are strictly intended to stir lust and sinful thoughts. And actually a good test for all this is can I mingle this experience with the word of God and prayer? Can I pray over this? Can I thank God for what I'm doing or watching or reading or does it make me shrink back in shame or want to go hide from God? We, we're to enjoy things and all things that can be sanctified by prayer and the word. Then, almost as if Paul has not gone far enough in urging us to enjoy the good things of God, he says, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. Uh, he's... he's it's just like he wants to make clear how few, not, not how many things we can't enjoy, but how much we can enjoy. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. Paul wants us to expand our understanding of the vast array of the good gifts of God. 
or as he says later in, sec, in, uh, in chapter 6, the, the God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So don't ever think like or talk like the Christian life is the no fun life. Don't ever think or talk like the, the Christian life is mainly characterized by what you can't do. Don't touch this, don't do that, don't, don't, don't. Uh, Paul addresses that kind of thinking in Colossians. He, he actually says that's, that's worldly thinking. Paul concludes uh, by saying to Timothy and pointing these things out to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished on words of faith, and sound doctrine. That's actually the New American Standard uh, translation of that verse. But I love that. In, in pointing out the things that we're talking about this morning, Paul says, you'll be a good servant of Jesus and you'll be nourished on words of faith and sound doctrine. I mean, w- there's, there's a lot of things we th- that come to our mind we th- when we think of sound doctrine. But Paul says, knowing how to enjoy God's good, good gifts and not living in this false spirituality of, of denial is uh, it's, it's sound doctrine and it, it, it nourishes our faith to live this way and to think this way. So, so we enjoy and give thanks for whatever good, God, or whatever good things we see or do. Uh, we find pleasure in all that God has made. If you, if you enjoy walking, Go walk and thank God for being able to walk and for what you see on your walk. Uh, if you enjoy a good cup of coffee, go, go enjoy a cup of coffee and, and worship God and thank God while you're drinking it. If you're reading a good book, give, give thanks to God. Uh, if, if you find pleasure in a, in a dog or a, a, another, another pet, give thanks to God. I was really touched by how uh, Matthew shared just how blessed his heart has been by that little dog Barnabas that he just got. You know, that's a gift of God. That's something to give thanks to God for. Don't, we, don't have to be ash- we don't have to be ashamed of enjoying a good gift of God like that. Um, thank God for other people, for friends, for, um, for little children, for family, all of these things that are a blessing to us. If you're married, the Bible says rejoice in the wife of your youth. Give thanks for your spouse and for the pleasure of the marriage relationship. If, if you're single, uh, rejoice in how free you are and how free from trouble your life is and how devoted to the Lord you can be. Enjoy sunsets and sunrises. Uh, worship God for the glory and the beauty you, you see. Uh, enjoy a great song, the sound of a cello or a guitar or drums uh, or a f- fresh warm sourdough bread some of you will know know what I mean by that Uh, or if you enjoy writing or drawing or fishing or driving or cooking do those things with with great joy in the presence of the Lord you know even Paul when he was in prison uh, writing to Timothy he said to Timothy oh and bring my cloak and bring the books and especially the parchments I mean Paul was not materialistic but he didn't, see any, he didn't see clothing or coats or books as inherently bad or that it would be better somehow not to have those things. He knew those things would be a comfort to him and, and give him something meaningful to do with the parchments. And so he asked Timothy to bring them. And I'm sure he gave thanks to God for them.
If I meet sometimes with a Christian brother, brother or sister who's really discouraged, uh, sometimes I will ask them, uh, do you have anything at all that you enjoy doing or that you look forward to doing? And I'm surprised at how often the answer is no. And often the unspoken assumption is that that's God's fault. God hasn't given me anything that I can be happy about or enjoy. Now, I want to be careful here because there are seasons of suffering that we all go through. And it just doesn't seem like there is much good. But we need to be careful that we don't get into a mindset that all of life is hard, all of life is suffering, and there's nothing good. I, I mean, even in, even in the hardest of hard times, it seems that God always has a way to comfort you, to encourage you, to give you some pleasure, some comfort, some joy in the midst of those things. And we just need to open our eyes to see that. And, and Paul said God has given us all things to enjoy, so we need to open our heart and, and to believe that God is good and to see his goodness and generosity and beauty all around us and to begin to enjoy that. You know, David said, at, I think it's the end, end of Psalm 27, he said, I would have despaired if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that's got to be our mindset. You know, and sometimes when you're really low, when you're really at your lowest point and things just don't seem good, that's what you need to do. Instead of despairing, you turn your faith and say, I believe, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Chesterton said, there is no lack of wonders in the world. There is only a lack of wonder in people's hearts. And so we... We need to open our eyes and see how much God has for us to enjoy. We do live in a fallen world. Because of sin, there's a lot that is messed up and broken about life. Life can be very hard and painful at times. But Paul wants us to know that God has also given us much to enjoy. There's many good things that he's created for, for believers, for those who know the truth, to find joy in. And of course, foremost, he gave us Christ. Jesus Christ is God's indescribable gift. And ultimately, even if nothing else is going right, we, I mean, we are incredibly blessed by the gift of Jesus. He is a fountain of living water that springs up within us to eternal life. So no, no matter what else we may not have, we do have the good gift of Jesus Christ sent into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and it's like a fountain of living water springing up to eternal life. He's washed our sins away. He's given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And as those who believe and know the truth, uh, we, we also have, on top of that, all the good things of God's creation, which are for us. And so we're, we're just more blessed than we know. We're just more blessed than we realize at times. And so once our eyes are open to those things, we overflow with gratitude. It's one of the reasons why uh, Paul said we always give thanks for all things to the Father through Jesus Christ. And if, if our eyes are open to the goodness of God, both his spiritual blessings and all of his goodness in creation, that's the way we're going to live, just with hearts overflowing with gratitude 
to God for all things. And again, Paul said, this is sound doctrine. And it nourishes our souls and keeps us from departing from the faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for...